of Advent. Good to have you with us. Um, <clears throat> just, just a couple of notices. Um, just to say that um, next Sunday um, we will we will be reopening um, as a church. We will be staying online on Zoom, but we are we are reopening. Um, if you want to come to the church um, next Sunday, please book in with Evelyn because, as before, we have limited. Uh, spaces um, and uh, uh, regulations around COVID will still apply, but uh, we, we look forward to going back to what we call a hybrid approach uh, next Sunday. So we hope you can join us online next week or uh, actually in church. That would be, that would be great. Um, today is the first Sunday of Advent, um, the countdown of the four Sundays uh, before Christmas. Um, traditionally, um, the first Sunday of Advent theme is hope. Um, and Advent, as you know, means coming or arrival. And as, as Christians, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus as God in the flesh in the incarnation at Christmas. But our hope then is in Jesus, who came as light into the world and transformed the darkness. But we are yet to see the full transformation of the darkness, and that will come at Jesus' second advent, when he comes to renew uh, the heavens and the earth. So our hope is in the Christ who has come in the incarnation, but also we have a, a future hope in the Christ who is yet to come, and at that point will transform the whole creation. So our hope is both past, present, and future. And just to help us reflect on the advent season, just got a short... Uh, reflection video um, from Phil Jump, which we're going to watch now. A familiar flame is ignited, a flame of hope, to remind us again of the road we have travelled. For the very light that we have kindled exists only because our God once declared that it should be. And though we struggle to make sense of the world that surrounds us, and pathways ahead are shrouded in uncertainty and foreboding. We will not surrender to despair or indifference, for God's purpose prevails even when obscured by our expectations. Its light draws our eyes away from the darkness, the confusion and struggles of this earthly journey not to escape or ignore their reality, but to remember that in every circumstance, God is present. And spurred by the stories of God's hand in our history, inspired by the example of those who have been caught up in his purpose, 
we open ourselves to be servants of the Most High, to embrace the present, assured of God's faithfulness. So good morning, church, and it's great to uh, be with you this morning. Let's just come before our God now. Father God, we thank you that you are almighty God, and we come to praise and worship you now. Lord, I'm grateful. It's great. 
to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me, so here I am. to just come before God in an open time of prayer. Please uh, unmute yourselves and just uh, just uh, speak out uh, prayers of praise and uh, adoration as the Holy Spirit leads you. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing praises to him, tell all of his wonderful works and glory to his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has uttered. Praise the Lord, Psalm 105. Amen. Father, we thank you that Joshua has come through his operation uh, very well and um, he is feeling very positive. So, Father, we thank you for being with him through this time and we pray you continue to heal him and that um, all will be well in the next stages of his life. Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is so good that we can sing those words that you are my God, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, that you've revealed yourself through Jesus, Lord. We just thank you that we can come to you and praise and worship you. We can know you because of your love for each one of us, Lord. We just thank you for this particular time of Advent, Lord, as we uh, seek to sing your coming down to earth in the form of Jesus Christ as a little one, but you rose as our Lord, as our Savior, and as our God, and we love to just worship you and praise you. And even if we're not actually together, Lord, we're, we're, we're together in one part of your family, Lord. We just thank you that we can meet together in this particular way to raise your name and hide. You are our Lord, you're our God, and we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you then, Father, for your presence among us 
in the person of the Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you continue to journey with us as we, uh, as we go through this service. We, we invite you to speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us, inspire us as we reflect on the incarnation of Jesus. We, we just pray that his coming for us would be also an encounter with his coming to us in this service. And we ask this in his wonderful name. Amen. Um, and now Mark is going to bring us an Advent All Age Talk. Hi everyone. So today we're starting to look forward to Christmas because today is the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent is all about waiting and preparing. As Christians, we believe that Christmas is all about celebrating the birth of Jesus. So I thought we'd take a look at the story of Mary. Now Mary was going to be Jesus' mum, but the story didn't start there. It started way back before then. You see, John's Gospel in the Bible starts by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And when the Bible talks about the Word like this, it's often talking about Jesus, God's Son. And it's interesting that the word gospel itself actually means good news. So this morning, we're starting to look at the good news about Jesus Christ, the Word and Son of God. So back to Mary. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but she wasn't married yet. And Mary and Joseph were going to be a very special couple. You see, they were Jews. And in the Old Testament, that's the bit of the Bible that's before Jesus was born. God chose the Jewish people, who were called Israelites at the time, to be his special people. He told them that one day he would send them a Messiah to save them and the whole earth. The word Messiah actually means saviour or anointed one. So the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah to be born. And they'd been waiting a really long time. Because God said that the Messiah would come from the line of, and that means would be related to, Abraham, who we heard about a few weeks ago. And do you remember, God promised Abraham that his descendants would bless the whole earth. And also David, who again, if you remember, was the second king of Israel and Solomon's dad. God's promise to David was that his kingdom would last forever. And guess what? 
Joseph was a descendant of Abraham and King David. So anyway, one day, while Mary was doing her chores, all of a sudden, an angel appeared. Mary was startled and fell to the ground, but the angel said, Don't be scared, I have good news. You're going to be a mum, but not an ordinary mum, the mum of God's own son. How can this be, Mary protested. I'm not yet married, but only bequested. Don't worry, don't fret, the angel continued. From God's Holy Spirit is the child that is in you. I don't know if this is a good idea. What will people say? I'm filled with fear. Don't worry, don't fret. Trust God all the way. It's part of God's plan. He'll be there every day. In which case, what else can I say? Do as you say and bring joy to this day. So the angel left just as he'd appeared. And Mary waited patiently for her newborn son, the son of God and the saviour of the world and we'll be finding out a little bit more about the lead up to the birth of Jesus over the next few weeks as we get closer to Christmas. Thank you Mark that was great. Um, we're now going to move into uh, a time of open prayer of where we pray for situations um, uh, in our church families, um, perhaps some items in the news, um, but particularly from, from a Heatherville point of view, just remember please uh, Janet Mills, um, who's been being moved today to uh, West Hall Nursing Home. And uh, as Alice has already um, prayed, we, we continue to lift up Josh Hayes for healing and for wisdom for the doctors in the next stage of his treatment. So there are, there are others, of course, but please do bear up in your prayers, Janet and uh, Josh. So please um, unmute as, uh, as, as, you, as you feel led to, and uh, just lead us in praying for uh, people and situations that the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart. So let's, let's pray together as God leads us. Dear Lord, I do pray for the revised National Collection Week this week of the Operation Christmas Child uh, collection of the shoeboxes. We know, Lord, that you are a loving and supportive and giving Lord. And we give this week, the 5th to the 12th of December, over to you um, for your overseeing. Be close to us those churches that have opted to be drop-off uh, locations. Um, please be with the people who have volunteered to man the church to receive these boxes for such a wonderful 
uh, cause, a wonderful project. Um, and we pray for the children too who will receive these boxes. Uh, just be in that situation, Lord. Be with all concerned and let this be a time for those children of true blessing and knowing more about you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Father God, as we uh, give thanks to you for giving us your son, we are called to give to other people. So we thank you for the Helping Hands initiative uh, that Charlotte's uh, been involved with. So thank you, we are part of that. Father, pray the funding will be received adequately so we can um, help those many uh, families in need in our community. Bless that initiative, we pray. And we pray that you will encourage people to give wholeheartedly in your name. Amen. Father, we do lift Janet to you. We know what she's been through, and Lord, she's had a difficult time in hospital. We now pray for a good, safe move and a good recovery for Janet. And it's going to be a bit lonely this first four, two weeks in quarantine. We just pray she's just so aware of your spirit with her, Lord. In, in her room there that um, you, you will just be you will present herself with you present yourself with her Lord and every day as she wakes up she will just be aware of you and, and that her recovery will be good Lord and that you will soon restore her to good strength and health Lord amen amen Father God, we continue to lift uh, Josh Hayes before you. Um, Lord, we pray for the next steps in his uh, treatment. Father, we pray for uh, wisdom for the doctors, that Lord, you would just guide them into the right uh, course of treatments for him in, the, in these coming days. For Julie and Simon and the rest of the family, Lord, we pray for peace and strength. And uh, most of all, Lord, we pray for your intervention of healing uh, for Josh. Lord, as we pray for Josh, we also remember Ian. And uh, Lord, we, we pray for his sight. Father, 
we know that Jesus came to earth and performed miracles um, and uh, he touched uh, ears and eyes and made them whole. So Jesus, because you are a God of miracles, we, we ask you to touch uh, Ian's uh, eyesight and uh, restore it. And uh, uh, Lord, we just pray uh, for Ian and Anne that you would just strengthen them at this time. We just uh, take a moment. Um, we, we have a high priest, don't we, in Jesus, who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses for he was made human in every way as we are. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. And so because Jesus took on real flesh and blood, he had real emotions and he entered into the frailty of our flesh. We can lift before him those we know, including ourselves, who feel that sense of weakness at this time. And so we do that now, just in a, a moment or two of silence. Let's just lift ourselves and others that we know about who perhaps are struggling in this pandemic. Um, you just need that grace and mercy and help of Jesus. Let's just do that in the silence. We just thank you, Jesus, for the peace that you give that passes understanding, a peace that the world cannot give, and a peace that you leave with us. And we ask, Jesus, that as we continue through this time together, that you would pour out your peace, your love, your comfort, your strength, your grace into our hearts. And Lord, as we hear your word read to us now, and as we look at it together, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would really apply this to our hearts, strengthen us, encourage us, teach us, inspire us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking uh, at the, which is definitely the, the greatest sort of passage about the incarnation of Christ in John 1. Uh, verses 1 to 18, which is sometimes called the prologue of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your living word, a word that's sharper than a two-edged sword. And we pray, Lord, that this word would go forth and accomplish that for which you purposed it. Lord, water the seed of your word this morning. May there be a harvest of righteousness and fruit in our lives this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've called this um, sermon, The Glory of the Incarnation. Um, Advent is a season uh, set aside for waiting and watching, longing and looking for the Messiah. Uh, through liturgies, calendars, wreaths, more, we anticipate by counting down the days until Christ's arrival with expectancy and hope. Um, we bought our Advent calendars yesterday, and uh, there was uh, literally uh, a a bit of a battle in Tesco. Um, when I got to the Advent section, there were literally trolleys parked across the Advent calendars. And uh, I had to politely ask a lady to just move out of the way because I could see that the, the Advent calendars um, were going down rapidly off the shelf. And I kind of, in a kind of loving Christian kind of way, I gently positioned myself so that I could uh, grab a couple of, uh, of Advent calendars. They were literally flying off the shelves. Uh, the Christmas lights uh, had all run out. We were after some more cluster lights for our tree. They'd all gone. So it just reminded me that before, Advent's, before Advent Sunday today, the Advent season is well and truly uh, with us. The preparations for Christmas are well and truly underway. But even as we celebrate first Christ's first coming in Advent, we watch and ache for his promised second coming. The, 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 after the second coming, God will dwell with us forever and everything fractured will be made new. And uh, this theme of longing and aching and groaning is one that I was really struck with. As 2020 comes to a close, um, I don't know about you, but it, at times it's felt like one long ache or groan and perhaps continues to do so. Perhaps like never before, we ache, we groan for hope, for love, for joy, for peace. 
And as Christians, this resonates with us because Paul talks about the whole creation groaning and aching for the second advent, the second coming of Jesus. He says in Romans 8, 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And we too groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, he says this, in this tent, that's this body, we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. And in Titus, Paul says, we live godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So one thing that uh, 2020 has taught me is waiting and longing and aching and groaning, but with hope, hopefully. And uh, as I said, for many, 2020 has felt like one long groan. Um, between the pandemic, a struggling economy, the isolation of quarantine, online school and work, racial injustice, wildfires, hurricane, a noisy US election. This year has reminded us like no other of our mortality, of our lack of control as a human race, and our collective brokenness. Never before as have we experienced such frailty, such a lack of be, a sense of being in control. And of course, this was always an illusion. We never have been in control as a human race. God has simply exposed that he's in control. We never were, we never have been. But our frailty or mortality, our weaknesses have been exposed. And so 2020 has primed us, if you like, for the ache and longing and groaning of Advent. And I believe the incarnation of Jesus, the word made flesh, offers us the grace and hope we need to live in the reality of a broken and groaning creation. The truth that the eternal son of God took on the weakness and frailty of our human flesh is of great relevance to us because we have a God who sympathizes with our weaknesses and aches. The eternal son of God, the word, took on human flesh. But in his divinity as the eternal son of God, he has the authority and power to help us and to give us grace in our weakness. And as we wait for the return of Jesus in a groaning creation, we find hope, love, joy, and peace in Jesus who is both fully God and fully human. The word became flesh. That's how John encapsulates the doctrine of the incarnation. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ, as Mark described, was born of the Virgin Mary in the stable at Bethlehem. But of course, the second person of the Trinity did not come into existence at his birth. He already was. Verse one, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. In other words, the eternal son of God was already in existence with the father from eternity. But then at a certain time, the eternal word became flesh. God, the son, the word did not come into existence at his incarnation, but he added a human nature to his eternal divine nature when he was born in a stable in Bethlehem. 
He lost none of his divinity, but he became both fully God and fully human. How can this be? An illustration might help here. Um, imagine you go to uh, test drive a brand new BMW. Um, and as you leave the de dealership, you decide to drive out in the country and do a bit of off-roading. So you come across some particularly muddy roads. And this is because the area has been uh, drenched in torrential rain for the past several days. But you decide, hey, I'm just going to go for it. This is an opportunity. Um, so you drive this brand new shiny car on the muddy back roads for several miles. You spin the tires. You enjoy how the car handles in these slippery conditions. And returning to the dealership, you pull in with the car now caked all over with mud. And you can imagine the salesman sees you and says, what have you done to my car? At this, you calmly reply, I haven't taken anything away from your car. I've only added to it. And of course, the point is correct. The beautiful, shiny car is still there underneath the mud covering. Its luster and beauty are still there, but they're hidden. Something else has been added to the car that prevents these qualities being able to shine through. Um, do you remember the Wesley, I think, I think it's Hart the Herald, isn't it? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Jesus' glory of the eternal son of God's glory was hidden, if you like, by the mud of his humanity. The luster, the brilliance of his glory from eternity was hidden in a human body. It was still there, but it was veiled in flesh. Um, but Jesus allowed the luster and brilliance of his eternal glory to be hidden in human form precisely so that you and I, in our humanity, might be able to encounter and experience more of God's glory. You see, when Jesus took on a human body, he was able to suffer death on a cross. And in John's gospel, the cross is the greatest glory because the cross is the place where we encounter God's glory most fully and God's grace and mercy most fully. Without Jesus becoming human, we'd have never been able to encounter and experience God's grace and God's glory in all its fullness. You remember that Moses was told, you cannot see my face and live. So he had to hide in the cleft of a rock and could only see God's back. Well, we have seen God's face in the face of Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God in human form. And the wonder of the incarnation is that Jesus possessed not just flesh, but a human mind and heart. He felt as we feel. He, he, he suffered sorrow and joy, weariness and temptation. Now, if John had said that the word became a human being, that would have been pretty amazing in itself. But he doesn't say that. He stresses that the word became flesh. In other words, John wants us to see that he was frail. He was weak as we are. Flesh gets tired and hungry. Flesh aches. So God didn't come and play at being a human being. He stood right up to his neck in our human blood and skin. And he was a full human being. He, be he became a refugee. He was mocked by his own family. He was found guilty by an establishment that wanted rid of him. 
By the grave of a friend called Lazarus, Jesus wept real tears. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweated blood as his disciples slept as he faced the horror of death. And when they nailed him to the cross, it was real blood that Jesus shed. The point John is making is that God became one of us. In 1863, a priest by the name of Father jo Joseph Damien, there he is in the middle um, of the picture, that's a, a school that he ran. He, he was inspired to go to Hawaii to help a leper colony, colony, can't get the word out, on one of the Hawaiian islands. The people there had been banished and isolated without family friends of any sort. And Father Damien went to live among them. He buried the dead, he cleaned the water system, he built them homes and set up a school, a hospital and two church buildings. And there's the school around him. In 1885, the lepers were stunned when he started a sermon one Sunday with the words, we lepers. He too had contracted the disease. This man was prepared to go to these lepers and show them love, even though it meant becoming literally one of them. And that is what God has done for us. When we seek Jesus in the Bible, when we pray to Jesus, Jesus says to us, we humans. If you feel the ache and groaning of life, Jesus has been there. If you know grief, then remember Jesus cry, cried by the grave of a friend. Have friends let you down? Jesus knows what it is to be betrayed. Have you felt the pain of loneliness? Jesus prayed on his own the night before his death as his disciples slept. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The truth is that Jesus was forsaken, betrayed, and even executed so that you and I might never be forsaken, might never be separated from God's love, not even by death. That's why Jesus became fully human. So we are able to bring all of our human struggles to Jesus in prayer, knowing he understands and sympathizes with us. I think for me personally, this is, these verses from Hebrews have become really, really precious. Hebrews 4 verse 15. Um, can we go back one slide, John? Is that all right? There, that's brilliant. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Next slide. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our need. The task of a priest is to approach God on behalf of the people, to gather up what the people bring. In the Old Testament, of course, that was money and offerings of grain and animals. But Jesus doesn't place ordinary offerings on, on the altar when we pray to him. He carries our human cries and struggles to God. Jesus, the high priest, carries our need, our distress, our pain, our sickness to the very throne room of God. But then in his divinity, Jesus is able to carry our sorrows and give us back mercy and grace 
and help and healing in our need. And this grace keeps on coming. We never exhaust God's grace. And John goes on to say more about the grace that Jesus offers us in our need. There is a fullness of grace. Um, John 1.16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. A better translation in the English Standard Version is this. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace means that there is grace after grace after grace after grace for all who come to Jesus. It's like a never-ending fountain of grace that wells up and continues into eternity. There is never a moment when God's grace is not sufficient for us. There's never a moment when the fountain of grace from God stops flowing to us. There is never a circumstance beyond Jesus' ability to provide for us. When the wine ran out at the wedding in Cana, Jesus had the fullness of grace to provide an abundance of the highest quality wine for the feast. For a man who'd been lamed 38 years, Jesus' grace had the power to heal. When a vast crowd was hungry, he fed them all with five barley loaves and two fish. Even death did not exhaust the riches of Christ's grace. When Lazarus lay cold in the grave, Jesus had the fullness to restore him to life. And so Jesus provides all of the kinds of grace that we need. Uh, William Barclay, the commentator, um, in his commentary on John, has a really helpful application of this for us. He says this, we need one grace in the days of prosperity and another in the days of adversity. We need one grace on the sunlit days of youth and another when the shadows of age begin to lengthen. And he goes on. The church needs one grace in the days of persecution and another when the days of acceptance have come. We need one grace when we feel we're on top of things and another when we, when we are depressed and discouraged and near to despair. There is a never-ending fountain of grace that flows from Jesus to us. Whatever season of life you're in, whatever circumstances you're in, whatever your mood and feeling is today, there is a never-ending fountain of coming from the fullness of Christ's grace for you today. Do we believe that? It's in the word of God here. From the fullness of his grace, he offers us one grace upon one grace. What is this grace that Jesus offers us? It is surely his power through the Holy Spirit. It is surely his help, his healing, his strength. It is surely his joy. Um, all of us are fine, all of us in different ways, me included, have found uh, this whole year a real struggle in all sorts of ways. We're, we're all. There's no one, I believe, who doesn't need more of Christ's grace in this moment. There's no one. We, we in this pandemic have experienced our frailty, our weakness. We've experienced the fact that as human beings, we're not in control of the future, of our environment, of our circumstances. We simply are not. But there's good news because in that realization, we give over control to Jesus, who is sovereign. 
And that's a place of humility. That's a place of weakness where Christ says to us, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my power and strength are made perfect. Isn't that wonderful? That when we get to the end of our rope, we find that Jesus is at the end of the rope with us and his grace is sufficient for us, for his power is made perfect in our weakness. That's the gospel. R. Kent Hughes, the commentator, writes this. When grace flows into one life, grace also begins to flow out. As the grace you receive flows out to others, more grace will come and then more grace and then even more grace. Isn't that wonderful? It's like uh, one of those uh, lakes that is fed by a continual stream of, of fresh water. But then at the other end of the lake, there's a waterfall just flowing out continually. There's a constant input and a constant output. You know, Jesus doesn't want you and I just getting through and muddling through, does he? He wants us to have a constant living flow into us of his grace. A constant stream of living water is there. Jesus offers us a constant supply through his fountain of grace of living water. And he wants that living water to overflow to others from us. Jesus doesn't want, doesn't want us just to get through and get by. He has joy for us. Yes, even in a pandemic, Jesus has joy for us. He wants us to bear fruit even in the most dry desert season of a pandemic. Do we believe that? Jesus wants our roots to go deep down into the living grace of his living water of his spirit. God's grace comes to us as we begin each day and just say to the Lord, I'm thirsty. Pour out more of your spirit in my life. God's grace comes to us as we meditate on his word in scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to apply the wonderful, precious promises of God to our hearts, to strengthen us and give us joy and hope, even in a pandemic. God, God's grace comes to us as we meet with other Christians and pray together and study God's word together. God's grace comes to us as we break bread and share wine together in the communion. God's grace comes to us as we worship together and we experience an encounter with the living God as we worship and pray. And so as we experience the ache and groaning of this world, as our experience is awaiting for that second coming, that second advent, there is grace upon grace available today to you and I through the first coming of Jesus, the incarnation. There is a fullness of grace that Jesus offers to you and I. And he wants you and I to be so filled with his grace that we overflow to a needy and broken and hurting world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the God who is full of grace. And thank you that there is a never-ending fountain of grace welling up to eternal life from you. And so, Lord, I, I pray this morning that you would refresh us, you would fill us again with that never-ending living water of your Holy Spirit, that, that the Holy Spirit would well up 
in us to eternal life, that we would, Father, grow the fruit of joy, the fruit of love, the fruit of peace, the fruit of goodness, faithfulness, self-control in us today. Lord, thank you that even in the driest, difficult seasons, you give us joy and hope and peace. Because Jesus shared our humanity, he offers us grace upon grace. So Father, pour out your grace in us today that we might overflow to others who need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. If, uh, if you'd like someone to pray for you, we'd be delighted, we have a prayer team, we'd be delighted to, to, to pray for you this morning. Um, do uh, message uh, Nigel on screen, on Zoom, or we'll put up the, uh, the mobile number towards the end of the service. If you'd like prayer, please do text in or put your message on, on the Zoom chat and we'll, uh, we'll make sure there's a breakout room for, for you to pray in. Um, Steve, thank you. Let's finish by singing, Joy Has Dawned Upon the World.
Now may the blessing of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.